Hey everybody, what's up? Happy belated Easter. As always, when I put these little snippets at the beginning of the show, it means because something weird happened during the episode. And in this particular show, my internet modem decided to take a dump right before we were recording, and my internet speeds dropped down immensely. My audio sounds fine, but Chris and Lobo were having a hard time hearing me, and on my end, I was having sort of a weird glitch happening with them. It's nothing super major, but it's there, and it annoyed the hell out of me, and I did what I could to fix it. Anyways, just wanted to let you guys know about that, and uh, let's carry on with the show. Attention! Attention! Ladies and gentlemen, attention! There is a herd of killer rabbits headed this way, and we desperately need your help. Roll up your windows. Turn on your lights and follow the police car at the entrance of the theater. Please keep calm and cooperate with the authorities. Do you read me? There is a herd of killer rabbits headed this way and we desperately need your help. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to the Saturday right before Easter. So as always, time works different for us, so when you're listening to this, it's probably after Easter. Which means we're not really doing an Easter show. And if we do Easter, it'll be after Easter, post-Easter, whatever. Anyways... Tonight we have blogger Chris Woodyard coming on, who is my personal favorite blogger, um, which I'm going to tell her when we actually get her on the air. (laughs) Uh, This woman has a blog, is hauntedohiobooks.com, and I visit her site probably twice a week at least. She's always got something interesting, new, and cool, and she very rarely does interviews. Now, a few weeks ago, I ran her previous appearance on the show as a best of show, because it really was one of our best of. Everybody loved it. And um, it's been a little while since we've had her on it. It's been, it's been what, what is it t- has it been two years yet? I think it's been two years. Got to be about two years at this point. Yeah. And um, I interact with her back and forth on Twitter, and I'm always retweeting her stuff and everything. So she said, yeah, I'll come back on, because it says right on her website, I, I no longer do interviews. And I'm like, I know you don't do interviews, but would you please come back on? And she said, yeah, I'd love to come back on. So we've got her on. Um, after the interview, we've got to go through, uh, Harley sent us an email from over at travel oddities and I haven't responded to him yet. And since I know he listens to the show, I'm just going to respond to him on here and I got to give a couple of listener shout outs. So, uh, having said all of that, um, we'll just speed this through because we've both got stuff to do after the show tonight to get ready for Easter tomorrow. So, uh, I guess we'll see everybody at the other side. Yes. No. Yeah. Bye bye. All that. No. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, what's funny is my my internet connection apparently is bad right now. I hear everybody great, but everybody here has a hard time hearing me. So I don't know how well these two are going to hear us through the internet tonight. So this show is going to be somewhat of an interesting thing. And then Chris had her share of weird stuff going on with her internet connection beforehand. So uh, fingers crossed that this all goes through without a hitch. But par usual, that never happens on this show. (laughs) So anyways, we'll see you guys at the other side of the interview. We... All right, everybody, welcome back. This week, we have returning guest to the show, Chris Woodyard. Now, Chris, before we get started, I have to I have to blow some smoke up your ass. You are absolutely one of my favorite blogs, and I go to a lot of blogs. I, I love everything that you do, and I've Aww. said that since before you we had you on the show last time. But as you know, I'm always retweeting your stuff, and I'm always putting your stuff out there. It's just that a, is so nice. It's just Thank a, you. Well, the thing I really, really like about your, your, your page 
um, you're very much a modern 40 and for lack of a better term. When everybody else is out there talking about the same rehashed stuff over and over again, you always manage on a consistent basis to always find something different, new, and very strange out there. It's, oh, thanks. I'm always going to see something new from your site that I've never seen before. And I don't know how the hell you do it. <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's all, every week there's always something new that I've never heard of. And, you know, I'm, I'm, one, I'm a voracious weird news hunt. I'm always going out looking for new stuff. And consistently you always have something strange and something interesting on your website, which is hauntedohiobooks.com. And um, I know you don't do interviews very often anymore, so I'm I'm really happy that you're here to be back on the show with us. We've been looking forward to talking to you again for a for a long time now. I think it's a couple of years, I believe. It's a couple of years, yeah. 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 Well, I really enjoyed talking to you last time, but I really appreciate you saying that about the blog because that's my goal is to find something new every single week. And damn, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. it, it's like my job here is finished. <laughs> it's it's always something different, and I, I really don't know where you find this stuff. You know, it's you, you've always got something interesting and strange on here, even from even if it's even if you're not into ghosts or if you don't believe in any of this stuff, even from a folkloric point of view, you have all these really cool and interesting stories on here, or just really off the wall strange stuff. And like I said, it reminds me very much of an old Charles Fort book. You know, when you when you read all these things in there and I don't know how you find this stuff, but you you are my favorite blogger of anybody out there. So, oh, you know, so, uh, yeah, welcome back. It's good to talk to you again after yes. an immense amount of Internet hookups on both of our ends. <laughs> oh, so much so, trouble. Let's um let's get started by let's cover some of the stuff that you've covered on your blog fairly recently, a little bit more spread out since it is Easter time. You have a post on your blog about a corpse on eggs, which is, I believe it's something to do with a, a baby body found on a bunch of eggs or something like that? Yes, it was quite a weird story. And I have to say, it's really one of the only times I've seen this, um, except for really ancient archaeology. But this was a 19th century story. It was reported in 1866. And there was a chimney they were widening. And they found an infant, about a year old, sort of a mummified skeleton, lying on 60 eggs, a layer of 60 eggs. Um, the child had a ball near its hand, and it was just, it appeared to be in there for maybe 25 or 30 years, was what they guessed. Uh, but nobody understood why it was there, what the meaning of the eggs was. Um, and even today, nobody seems to quite know what the point of it was. It was sort of a single source story. Um, you'd think if it was just somebody hiding an illegitimate baby, um, what, what, why would they bother with eggs? Um, now, of course, there are similar. What kind of eggs were they? Just hen's eggs, I assume. Um, nobody oh. said anything about them being unusually large. Uh, it just said a layer of eggs still entire. To the number of more than 60. That's a lot of eggs. And is, in my blog post, I, I ask, what's, does anybody know the price of eggs in the 1830s? Um, because somebody had to buy these things um, or have hens, which people did keep hens in, in the city at that time. But uh, we don't know what it is. It Was it some sort of magic ritual to keep the child from rising or keep it uh, you know, a sort of a resurrection ritual. Nobody really knows. 
Well, you do make reference in here to, because the first thing I thought of was fae folklore. You, you make reference to that in here about the the old tale of how to identify if your if your baby is a changeling where oh right yeah. you uh, just, boil water in an eggshell or cook dinner in an eggshell or something like that or brew beer in yeah. an eggshell that that was kind of another one and the changeling if it was really a changeling would say wow i've seen a lot of things in my 100 plus years of life but i've never seen beer brewed in an eggshell and then it would fly up the chimney um so it could be something to do with fairies, um, or it could just be some individual sort of a ritual. Um, don't don't really know. How old was this? Was this like when they found it? Was it an ancient thing, or had it happened fairly recently, or something along those lines? They theorized it was between twenty-five and thirty years old, and that was in eighteen sixty-six. So that would have been the eighteen thirties. Um, so. It certainly was a stigma to have an illegitimate child, so I figured it was just somebody's child that they had uh, – it had either died at birth or they strangled it or or were trying to hide it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said also that it was uh, – the area where it was, there was no external signs of any – um, breakage. Uh, so it looked like somebody had walled it up very skillfully. What that means, you know, was it a some mason that was enlisted by this woman to hide a baby? I, we don't know. It sounds very ritualistic and to a certain extent. Yeah. I wonder why. Yes. Did you say yes. it was found behind a fire pit or something like that? It, no, it was in a. It was up in, up in a chimney. Um, now, lots of things are found <clears throat> up chimneys. There's a whole lore mm-hmm. of uh, dried cats, um, shoes, eggs, also. Um, just to keep witches out. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was wondering about that, but, you know, what, why a baby? And it was an infant of about a year old. Normally, if you were hiding an illegitimate child, it would be the newborn that you disposed of in that way. Yeah, that would be something that size. Yeah. Yeah. But no. the whole egg doesn't make sense, though. Why would you put over no. top of the eggs unless it was some kind right. of an offering or something like that? Right. Yes. You know, so I can see it, eggs it, as a fertility it, ritual, but I don't sure, know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Know, you know. It it really doesn't make any sense. And and the the house had been a religious community. It had been a furnished lodging house. So you know the the list of suspects is just about endless. We really can't even begin to speculate as to who put this in the chimney so it's quite a nice little murder mystery yeah yeah so it's kind of a a nice murder mystery um and i i've run this by some people who study witchcraft and different occult rituals and nobody seems to have any ideas about what what this could have happened what could have been happening Hmm. I see on here, I should have let you know about this beforehand. I see you just put a post up about April Fool's, some kind of an April mm-hmm. or some kind of a wild man mask. And being that Easter right. is on April Fool's this year, ironically, um, yes. what's that all about? Because I honestly, I haven't read this post yet. I just happened to look over and see it, if you know it off the top of your head. Sure. Um, this was a cup. Uh, this was in um, Connecticut. A ah, couple of... Yay. <laughs> That's his home state. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he's in Connecticut. Um, some young women, um, their father died, and they inherited the farm. And it was a relatively large farm. And um, the all of a sudden, an ape man 
began appearing in the neighborhood. And this went on for maybe two weeks. Supposedly, they had posses looking out for the thing. And then um, people were poo-pooing it and saying, oh, no, it's just a human in a fur coat. Uh, They're trying to scare the girls off so they can buy the land. Um, And then eventually, um, one of the girls said was said to have admitted making a dummy uh, wrapped in a sheet uh, with an April Fool sign hanging from it. And the state police report stated that Miss Muriel Minor confessed to the hoax. Well, that was on the 4th of April, 1926. And then um, the girls denied that they had confessed that this was a hoax. So that was a little odd. And the state police officer who initially said that the girl confessed to him said two days later that the ape man may still exist. It's no April Fool joke. And then they started thinking that, again, somebody was trying to scare the girls off the property. So it's kind of odd that you have a confession, then you don't have a confession, and then you have an ape man, and you don't have an ape man, and then you have an ape man again. But I I can imagine some local, you know, putting a fur coat on to scare the girls off. Sounds like a great way to get shot. (laughs) Well, it does. And and that's the other thing is that you, you have all these stories in the 19th and 20th century, early 20th century, about ghost scares. You know, somebody putting on a sheet, trying to scare somebody off. And people are out shooting in the dark, but nobody ever gets hit. So it's odd, but also why an ape man? Now, if you wanted to scare somebody off a property, you'd put a sheet on, you'd be a ghost or you'd be a, you know, hound of the Baskervilles or something with phosphorescent paint. So I kind of speculate that about this time, um, one of P.T. Barnum's freaks, his prize exhibits, uh, Zip, the what is it or the ape man was dying in a New York hospital and it was in the papers and everybody knew what Zip was, and they'd seen his picture, and he had a coat on. And I wondered mm-hmm. if that was possibly the inspiration for whoever was trying to scare the girls off, if, in fact, that was what was going on. And for all I know, you know, I want to be a good 40 in here. Um, maybe it really was an ape man. Well, that was also what a time when... It in? I'm um, sorry? What town was it in? Well, there's several towns listed, and, and you being from the area, maybe you can... About with this North Stonington was oh one of, along the Rhode Island border, okay. Um, okay, and they also say Newport, not Newport. Um, gosh, Haystack Rock was another location. Okay, they mentioned uh, North Stonington, like I said, and New London. They okay, talked so that's about, that's actually quite dispersed because New London. Well, that might have been along the, the coast. New London might have been where the state barracks was, uh, because that's okay. when they All were right. interviewing the the state trooper who interviewed the girl. Okay, because uh, New London, New London is probably North Stonington is right on the border of Rhode Island. I mean, I used to do installs out on in North Stonington. Okay, so that's like, I mean, I literally used to go to Rhode Island for lunch when I was working out there. Okay, well that's so. that seems to be where the. Although I can't pronounce it, it's Togwonk. Okay. T a u g w a n k. The Horace D. Yeah, you, you hit it pretty well. 
Okay. Well, okay. you never know when you've got a, a paper that's not quite local because they've also got a, a tagline of Westerly Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. Well, that would make sense, though. I mean, if you it, that close to that close to the Rhode Island border, then mm-hmm. it would have been covered in both states. Okay. But that was the eight-man story, and it was a little unusual. You'd expect to find this in the 19th century because there were wild men and even wild women. Yeah, I was, that's what I was about to say. That was yeah. They were prim- predominantly known back. That was back before Bigfoot was called Bigfoot. Right. right. Um, Timothy Renner, one of the guys that comes on the show every once in a while, he's got a podcast about that. And you saw a lot of these reports. They were always referred to as eight-mans or wild mm-hmm. men or escaped lunatics right. um, along those exactly. lines. Um, some of it was probably your yellow journalism too for sensationalism. So, um, I think some of it uh, in the, was also um, Civil War veterans with post-traumatic stress who fled to the been. wilderness. A lot of yeah. them seem to be real people who are hermits or fleeing civilization. But um, there were an awful lot of stories like that in the 19th century. So it was unusual though to to hear it in 1926. Mm-hmm. That's late. So that was the thing that the thing that makes me scratch my head is during that period of time, um, we had a we had a gentleman that would want. Well, it was a little earlier than that, but uh, we had a gentleman that would wander in a circuit through Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New York. Leather man. The leather man. Yeah. Yeah, And he would live in caves and he was clad in leather. I mean, I have a book on it. I've read about I've been following up on it since I was a little kid. So I wonder if some of the overlapping sightings of wild men were people watching him go through his trails, not knowing, you know, not being from the area, seeing someone clad in leather from a distance. It's dark and mm-hmm. it's shambling. Yeah, it's going to look like it's not going to look human. I mean, he was literally clad from head to toe in leather, Hat, yes, and, gloves, and he was, boots, mm-hmm. very bulky, too. Um, yeah, and he was so, dark. His from being out, yeah. you know, out, you know, outdoors. He was weathered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was a small man. He wasn't a big man. He was a Frenchman, so he was a little guy. Mm. But yeah, I, I've been wondering that. I as I dig deeper into, you know, different sightings that have been throughout New England of you know, wild men or hairy men or you know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever. Right. Some of them overlap with the territory that he would have been passing through during that period of time. That makes a lot of sense, yes. All right, well, let's move along in the theme of we'll, we'll steal from Game of Thrones and go with Tales of Fire and Ice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the next one where you've got a story about the blue ghost, uh, the blue flame ghost, actually. That mm-hmm. appears to be a headless ghost, If I'm correct me if I'm wrong. That's right. He's so, a headless ghost. What was and this it was story? In, it was in Virginia, uh, and it doesn't specify whether the narrator is a Union or a Confederate soldier, so I, I can't help you with that one. But this guy is saying that he and his other, his compatriots saw in Virginia this headless ghost that seemed to be surrounded by blue flames. And people were getting very upset about it because they thought it was somebody playing a practical joke or somebody who was trying to get through the lines. So they'd set up sentries and um, they went out to look for this thing. And, um, there was an old sort of a ruined mansion that had been there for a long time running by the road 
the main road ran by it. And that's where the specter had been seen. So they're out there just hanging out. And he hears his compatriots say, you know, speak or I'll fire on you. Um, and heard the gun. And he saw this thing. He describes it as a singular looking blue light that seemed in the distance to be a column of flame about six feet high. And the his fellow sentry was running from it and fell in a dead faint. He said it looked like a headless man wrapped in a pale blue flame that flickered in the night air, just looking like little tongues of fire licking the shape. Wow. He fired his gun right into the breast of this thing, and the flame waved and opened, sprung up a foot or two, and then settled back into a flickering sheet of fire. And the evil thing sped steadily on past me towards the old mansion down the road. So they, mm. he carried his friend to to get some help, but that uh, the thing just went on without paying any attention. Um, they never knew why this thing was there. I thought it would be a great cover for a spy, uh, sort of like the Hound of the Baskervilles, you know, put on some phosphorescent paint and cover your head with something dark so you look like you're less. Yeah, but how and do you set they, yourself on fire with know. blue flame? Because, like, I think propane's well, the only yes, burns exactly. blue. So. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm not aware of, of um, oil country in Virginia. Uh, in Ohio, we have a lot of blue flame kinds of ghost stories from places where there's a lot of oil. Also, Pennsylvania, there's a lot of weird ghost stories from sorts of petroleum producing areas but i don't think this is one of them so there's I other wonder, go ahead Lobo. i wonder if uh, i know see i have trouble wrapping my head around these particular stories yeah only for the fact that like we have the you know we have ichabod crane and the headless horseman in this area Mm-hmm. So when whenever I hear a story of like a blue flame or phosphorescence, I always go back to what there are two different descriptions of fire for mariners and for landlubbers. Mm-hmm. The St. Elmo's fire was seen on ships and it was described as blue or white or yellow. And it was always around the masts or you right. know, moving across the de- deck. Yep. And, Seafaring people ex- explained it as fire, like stuff you'd cook with. Sure. Landlubbers, when spoke of fires coming from like uh, swamps and will-o'-the-wisps and right. like the Min-Min lights, the fire is almost always spoken of as a cool flame, which I would see as phosphorescence and right. not true flame. True. So, I mean, it still looks it's, it's bright. It's not supposed to be there at night. Mm-hmm. And if, if it's moving, I don't care what it is at night. If you've never seen anything moving at night and it's bright, the first thing you're going to say is it's fire. Yeah. So unless whenever you hear the stories, there's never a firsthand account of anyone touching the flames. Uh, there is. Um, actually, I just read oh. one today. Um, some of the spook lights, uh, people talk okay. about it, it touching them and it and it. It felt like a touch, but it wasn't hot. Um, normally, you wouldn't want to touch this because they have a tendency to, to explode. But um, yeah. accidentally, or somebody said, sometimes these things are sort of sentient. 
and yep. they come up like they're curious. And this one fellow said that it touched his cheek and it felt cool, and then it moved off. So, so is it I, actual flame or is it phosphorescent or is it something giving off light? Well, is what is what is the willow wisp? Is plasma? it is it swamp? Is it swamp gas? Is it a ball plasma ball lightning? Well, configuration. That's the thing, though. If it was swamp gas and it was caught fire from you know, static or whatever, right. that would have heat. If yeah, it was it plasma, plasma, I mean, plasma is literally energized atoms that have lit up the uh, gases around them. So that's going to be even hotter than regular flame. Mm -hmm. So if people, if, if I, I have, I, oh, I mean, I always find it fascinating, but it just, I'm like, it, if it, okay, you have the story of it touching his cheek and it not being hot. Mm -hmm. So we can we can uh, count out or or x out the fact that it, it can't be earthly flame if it's flames, right? So what uh, is it? I love these stories. <laughs> well, you also make reference in here that headless ghosts have kind of gone out of fashion. You don't really hear stories right. of headless ghosts anymore. That's like, right. Not modern ghost stories, lies at least you know you don't you don't you just don't hear about them anymore. No. Uh, other than Ichabod Crane, that's that's the big famous American headless ghost, right? And, uh, and they're very popular yes, in no. England. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The headless ghost in the headless horseman was a headless Hessian, which was a British soldier. Mm -hmm. I thought it was French. So, no, oh, Hessians okay. are not French. Uh -uh. <laughs> no, well, I know that, but no. I thought the story was a French. Okay, I thought it was a French soldier. No. Hmm. Why would a French soldier be an American? A red so coat. I kinda, yeah, I'm kind of correcting myself on that one, I guess. Soldiers were here. Who they were but, yet, man? <laughs> well, they were fighting on on the uh, revolution side as opposed to the Tory side. Yeah, they were our the, side. The yeah. side. Yeah, that's where the story of the uh, Nayan Rouge in Detroit, Detroit's red, red Dwarf, comes from. It comes from when it was Detroit was occupied by the French. By and, the French, yeah. Yeah, and the dwarf came along and was harassing the French, and that's how it, that's the basis of the story for the, the Nayan Rouge in Detroit. But um, back to what I was saying, though, you don't hear any reports of, of headless ghosts anymore. They were really big in Europe, which were that beheading was big over there. So, you know. Right. We didn't uh, over here. Beheading was a relatively rare. Um, I can't even think of anywhere it was used as capital punishment. Hanging was the standard. No, not here. Death. But. During the Civil War, you find this the headless stories recurring because so many people got their heads blown off. Uh, my my own great 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 grandfather um, said his head was blown off and his body was never identified for that reason at Chickamauga. So it's uh, it seems to have something to do with cultural. You find a few headless ghost stories at World War during World War One, and after that, pretty much nothing. And I don't know if that's because people weren't getting their heads blown off in the Second World War or other wars, but you just don't find it. Hmm. Well, it's let's... so bizarre to be, for something to be so prominent, for it to just, like, stop. Well, there's, you know, theories that all of this is just uh, it's so subjective to the person observing it. That they put their that own cultural. Uh, we don't see ghostly nuns anymore. That's because there That's aren't true. as many nuns. Um, right. Women in white. Do we see ghostly women in white? No, we see black yeah. children and Slender Man and, and Goat Man. And Connecticut still has white uh, ladies in white. 
okay, well, that's that's sort of a standard. Uh, La Lorena, um, I can't pronounce that per- correctly. The the weeping woman. In yeah, the, the Mexican uh, one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mexican. She wears white, is what La Llorona, yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, she wears white also. So they the white stick around. Um, we don't have women in black anymore. They were That's quite true. the thing in the 19th century. Um, or a few in the early 20th century, and that's because widows' weeds went out with the First World War for the most part. Well, you did a whole book on that, though, The Ghost Wear Black, The, the Ghost Wear Black. Well, I did, yeah, there's a chapter in that on the women in black, um, and I speculate that the reason we don't see them anymore is because women don't wear um, mourning veils anymore. Um I once did a talk on uh, women's uh, on morning dress as criminal disguise because it really was effective. People would do bombings, theft, pickpocketing, attempted murder, um, and assault under the cover of the morning veil. But we don't see that anymore. So those... Uh, those crimes of opportunity are kind of lost. So wait, they would go out in, in morning clothes and they would commit a, they would commit crimes with like the veils on? Yes. So. yes, because people would not touch a woman wearing mourning. It was almost as if it was sacrosanct. We would uh, think that, oh, the poor widow, she's so sad. She's hiding her face. And yeah, she's but she's mugging you. <laughs> well, yes, but it, it gave her time to escape. And, you know, you couldn't do much about it, but you weren't going to yank the veil off of somebody that was approaching you to see what their intentions were. And surprisingly, there were a lot of men that went out dressed in widow's clothes because it was a convenient disguise for a transvestite. Yeah, it would actually. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't hear exactly. about many people, be- banks being robbed by people in crepe. <laughs> no. No, well, there's an esky poisoning thing, too. So, you know, I mean... Exactly. You got to weigh your options. <laughs> what poisoning? Well, from the crepe. Oh, from the yes, yes. You got to work up. It gets and when you take it off your face is just all stained. It's oh. awful. And you had to use some uh, sort of some of the ones that were to get it off. Some of the ones that were used, they used some pretty horrible uh, material other than poisoning. Yeah. The, the chemical- uh, yeah. yeah, they made people break out. You ended up with, like, lace pattern on your face and stuff from where it touched well, you. Sweat. Yeah, not quite lace, but it was it was a crinkly uh, yep. crepe. It was pressed in a, a hot iron sort of a thing with chemicals like arsenic, uh, uh, pictric Yay. acid, lovely things. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you broke out in, in terrible sores. <laughs> All for but, a couple bucks. I don't know. Well, no, it was it was more that it was required by society no no i mean if someone was going to try and roll you dressed up like that yeah yeah yeah. that's true well let's uh long enough to cause trouble let's move on to haunted ice because this was something that i'd never thought of before this is instances where people had fallen into the water at ports and docks and they died and nobody wanted ice from that water because they didn't want their ice to be haunted so cool Right. This was this was brand new to me. And I'd, I've been working a lot on um, instances of places or hoodoo things where a lot of people have died uh, because of one house or one event. And I was really surprised to run across these stories of 
a cursed water haunted by the spirits of suicides. Um, this was this was just odd. And ice was quite a, a economic commodity. You would sell it, you would save it for the summer, and then you would sell it again. And these people didn't want to even cut the ice because the fellow, his name was William Glassmeyer. He jumped into the waters off of Port Clinton, Pennsylvania, um, committing suicide in November, and his hat stayed in the water, apparently. And they said they refused to cut a single pound of it, believing that his spirit is lingering in the frozen water. And when the ice melts, the guy will come out and walk the streets of the community. Now, that's a really interesting belief. It's almost like the Viking walking dead to come back. Yeah, right. um, but it's it was an economic hardship for the community because um, they wanted to uh, sell the ice, but they couldn't. Does this does this happen with would this happen all the time back then or was this only in certain spots? This seemed to be a unique story. I haven't run across any other stories of this particular type with the ice. Now there was another one. It said the the people in the area had a story about misfortune following a family because they ate fish caught in a stream where a man had committed suicide. Now I could see if you know, the guy had been in the water a while and the fish had ate it, had nibbled at him and that might be a hygiene issue. They had all kinds of problems. The woman who was cleaning the fish uh, severed a finger. Uh, a son who was helping a neighboring farmer was run over by a hay wagon and killed. The day of the funeral, father and the fisherman sustained two broken legs while walking down the hill of the cemetery, and less than a week later, the family's house was destroyed by fire. And they yeah, all no bueno. they attributed <laughs> all this to the fish that had been caught in the waters where the suicide had died. So that is wow. something the residents of Port Clinton thought, we're not going to touch this. We're not going to touch this place. Also, the reputation of the man, I wondered if that had something to do with it. Because he committed suicide. I wondered why he'd done this. It just seemed so motiveless. But he had been um, accused of committing rape upon underage Ooh. girls. The state police worked up the evidence, and a warrant was sworn out. They came to get him. And um, when the deputy came, uh, the man said, well, can I have a bite of breakfast? So he said, sure. And the man went into the rear room, went through the back door, <laughs> ran to the dock, and threw himself in. The deputy didn't, under didn't discover that he was even gone for a couple of minutes, but then they found him pulling the dead body from the icy waters. So he ran out and committed suicide by diving into the waters and freezing to death then? Well, it would have been cold. Yeah, it was November. Yeah. yeah. Well, that wow. could have happened to a nicer guy. Well, he owned a candy store. And I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> no. It just gets better. No. It works, works, you know. So, uh, and there were people that were willing to excuse his behavior. But anyway, um, this was in 1917, which again was a little late for these kinds of anomalous beliefs. But hey, when you have that kind of superstition, you, you have it. But again, I, I haven't really run across many stories like this where water 
was haunted by the ghost of a man who died. There are, are a few. Uh, there were a couple. I think I found one from the Ohio River where a man had drowned, and they were saying that the barge and the dock where he was was haunted. But not the water itself, just the just the yeah, yeah. Because yeah, water, water usually when it has to do with hauntings. Like we've got a place around here in Michigan. We were just talking about our Facebook page today. There's a water mill in the area, and it seems that ghosts are or haunted areas are attracted by water. But for whatever reason, there's the the wives' tale that ghosts can't cross running water, or ghosts can't be a part of water, but they're always around water for some reason or another. But I've never, I've never heard of the water itself being haunted though. No, this was something really unusual. That's another reason I wanted to tell this story because it is so unusual. Hmm. But you're right. Ghosts do seem attracted to water. Uh, you don't hear much about them. When I'm, you know, looking at these kinds of ghost stories, I don't hear that statement about ghosts not being able to cross running water. It almost seems to be a European thing that didn't come over here. I think it's also a Native American legend too, but I can't be huh. sure specific on that. No, not. No, not ghosts. No, but certain witches? spirits can't. Spirits, okay. that's it. Yes, that's certain it. Spirits can't, and those spirits are usually Manitou's, ones yeah. that. Uh, those are usually ones that aren't attached to humans, okay. like not human spirits. Mm-hmm. It's also it's also prevalent in Japanese folklore too, if I remember properly, along the same lines. There I'm is sure water we'll spirits. A, we'll get a call from Chuck if we're wrong. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's unusual. Um. Again, these were down in uh, New Orleans, like around that area, because that's where a lot of the hoodoo and and voodoo and things like that come into play. Well, no, this was Pennsylvania. Um, This was, I I can't Ah, again pronounce. Okay. I wonder if it has to do with the Deutsch. I wonder if that's something the Germans brought over here. This didn't seem to be, okay, it it might be, because the name, I can't pronounce the name of the river. Schulkill? That's German, yeah. 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 So that would be probably yeah. The there's an awful lot of um, bewitching and and things like that. But I didn't really get that from this particular story so much. Hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing how small pockets of like around here and up north. There's my fan. I come from a long line of really superstitious people. Puerto Ricans in general are superstitious huh. about the most obscure things. Like, so bizarre. Like, I have aunts that they, they refuse to, they won't go into a graveyard at night. I don't care. Oh. They won't They won't speak ill of the dead. I don't care. You know what? If you were an asshole before you died, when you died, they didn't make it better. You know, <laughs> like, they'll, yep. they'll run a house they think they're being followed by a spirit they'll go around the inside of the house a few times and then out the back door they'll put salt on it they have all kinds of weird like i've never been a superstitious guy i laugh at superstitions you know what's gonna suck when we're dead and you go to chase people like say we die and we like you know what i'm gonna go screw with this guy oh i can't now because he's gone in the house and he's run around the house three times and i can't see where he's going (laughs) well Well, i gotta follow the rules of the undead i guess i'm stuck now yeah (laughs) That's the thing I don't understand. You're a semi-omniscient creature at this point. You should you can pass through walls. Going around in a circle ain't gonna fix it. It's like I can see the guy running around his house. I guess I can't haunt him now. Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> it makes him feel better. That's the okay. rules of the afterlife suck. <laughs> yeah, but 
it's it's their rules that we we as irrational beings put on it. That's right. But it's so funny because there's small pockets of like areas where you know what? Screw that! I'm haunting your refrigerator. I'm gonna haunt your ice rack. So (laughs) (laughs) go ahead. I'm sorry. It's it's funny. It just it amazes me that you know you'll have a collective consciousness in certain areas and whether you understand why the particular area you're in has these beliefs go along with it because it's what you've been told yes you know like like a, a perfect example you don't go in graveyards after dark or in small hours mm-hmm. i never understood why that was and you know my family tried to explain it to me and i'm like no it's crap i'm going to go i, I want to go and see what's going on well you that's when missing the... out the veil between the living world and the, and the world of the dead is supposed to be thinner. Yes. So yeah, that's, I so, understand you know. that. But and were, were they but, reassured when nothing bad happened to you? Oh no, of uh, course not. They told me I was charmed. That's the only reason why. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you don't tell that to an eagle man. You don't tell it for special. Oh, that's great. All right. You must be a treat at family parties. Uh, Since we're going to be a. Cooking Easter dinner tomorrow. Let's move on to ashes a la carte, which I found interesting. These are stories <laughs> of people that have eaten the ashes of their dead, which in in like some some African and some other cultures is not that unusual. But no, to find it no. in in American and European cultures is a little odd, especially when you've got a picture on here of what looks like a coffee can that says "Rest in peace." Hello, my name is with a blank spot that you fill in, yes. followed by. <laughs> that is dead our most modestly priced receptacle, hollowed grounds. And it looks like a coffee can. It is. And it is the bargain ashes urn um, that Archie McPhee sells. Is the, Are you so, holding that can in the picture? Is that you? No, no, okay. no, 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 no. That he sells it? Seriously. Yes. No, this I is. I need that. You need that. <laughs> Go to the website. No, they, they're selling funny, humorous um, cremation cremains urns and i think That's it's awesome. charming i mean you could make your own just get a coffee can and, and write something on it but it reminds me of that scene in, in uh what was it uh the big lebowski where at the end they've got him in a folgers can and they go to dump him off of a cliff and the wind picks up and blows his ashes on everybody i'm pretty sure they've got his ashes in a folgers can because they said they couldn't afford to get him a better urn yeah or something yeah. like that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah urns are relatively oh, that expensive is the best it's well, only nine fifty. It. I need this. There you go. You know, I kind of want it sitting around my desk too. Now I think about little it. little undertaker's <laughs> <modest> urn. <laughs> there are so many people that cannot bear to get rid of their loved ones' ashes. You know, they think, "Oh, I'm going to go scatter them somewhere, or I'm going to bury them." But oh, it's expensive to bury them, and I don't have time right now. And I'll just put them on the on the mantle. Or I've got my mom's sitting downstairs in the basement and I haven't gotten rid of them. Not for any kind of, really? oh, yeah, well, it's not, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be cryptic or weird. Um, it's just, it's, it's not because I, I, I can't bear to part with my mother's ashes. It's just, I don't know really what to do with them or where to take right. them or, or anything right. like that. So they're just kind of, you know, mm. they're kind of sitting there. They're, they're like in my little game room downstairs. I'm like, hey mom, what's up? You know, or something like that. But it, she's in this little plastic container with a bag on the inside with her ashes in it. And it's like, 
what am I going to do with these? I often wonder like if something were to happen to us and we were to like me and the wife or the family were to die or whatever, somebody were to come after us and they, they pick up my mom's ashes. They're going to be like, what are we going to do with these? What do you, what do you do with something like that? That's, yeah, that's a dilemma. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some people, you know, just can't decide what to do and others just can't bear to get rid of them. So the yeah, story, this, this lady decided to eat the ashes of her husband because, you know, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh um, made her feel closer to him, I assume. <laughs> Got to taste terrible. I would think so. I would think so. But she supposedly, she was making like little jokes. She says um, he had been a witty man. There was always a spicy flavor in his conversation. So she made a note. It's a spice. And then another note would be he had not been this. She defied anybody to say he had not been the salt of the earth. So salt. Um, He had a bit of a temper. So pepper. And then he was sweet to her, so sugar. So he was sort of a condiment. She uh, wow. de- determined to take him as seasoning. Now, whether this is a real story or not, I'm not really quite sure. You know, she said. Oh, I'm they sure say, it's real. You think so? <laughs> oh well? yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh yeah, you find we hear stories all the time. Like there was this one group of. Uh, we covered in our show a long time ago. These guys broke into this house and they stole this guy's ashes and they thought it was cocaine, so they sniffed them. Oh, them. yes, I remember that. Yes. So these things happened. Um, somebody else had their ashes taken and they were consumed. Every once in a while, about once a year or so, you'll come across the story of somebody stealing right. ashes or doing something with ashes or they'll think that they're flour and they'll make try to make a cake out of them or something right. like that. Right. So it happens, well, you know. And as I prefaced this article to um last christmas there was a british press story about a daughter who decided to eat her mum's ashes with christmas dinner and she was quoted as saying i feel like she can live on by being inside of me so uh, you know comments were sympathetic or very harsh about her mental state and who knows uh is there a medical term for this taste parental pica or something like that Probably. <laughs> uh, so just bizarre it is it is very odd but again we have mrs matilda Francefort, um who was eating her husband's ashes but then i pair it with a uh joke story uh, that Mark Twain supposedly said uh, that he was at a neighbor's or he was traveling and he'd forgotten his tooth powder but he figured there must be some and he found a small box on the mantel which had something in it that uh, Oh like no, that. I know where you're going with this Oh, He used it vigorously on his teeth, found it satisfactory and when he got downstairs he apologized to his hostess for using her tooth powder She appeared surprised What tooth powder? she inquired blandly It was on the mantel, Mark replied Yes, in a small box, it was excellent Good gracious, that wasn't tooth powder It was my hus- my auntie she says Cremated. Awesome. Again, that's a, a joke story, whether it's true or not. Uh, I couldn't find it in Mark Twain's full um, collection, but uh, there were other versions of it where a servant girl used somebody's ass. Um, there was a TV show called My Strange Addiction. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Willow said she was addicted to eating her husband's ashes. So I don't know. I don't know. 
I, I speculate that there's a sort of a hoarding disorder that involves loved ones' remains because there are many, many stories about keeping the corpses of their loved ones. Oh, yeah. Suspect that if these aren't urban legends, if this lady was not an urban legend, that they fall into that category. You've got something on here uh, to prevent relatives from becoming for being preyed on by vampires. Does that have to do with consuming the ashes? Um, Mrs. Fransfort didn't say anything about her husband being a vampire, but it was an extremely well-known belief in New England. Um, the white sickness mm -hmm. consumption. And it was believed that the only way to stop the disease from killing the entire family was to dig up the body of the dead person, rip the heart out of their chest, and burn it, mm -hmm. and give it yep. to the surviving people to eat or, dr or drink in wine. Yep. It was. Yeah. Yep. Very, very distressing and it must have been even worse when the rest of the family died in, in spite of that because it was you know just ripped through families killed whole families it was Very, done as a last ditch effort yeah yeah well like, we're coming literally. up here on uh, about an hour lobo did you have anything you wanted to ask her from any of the stuff that you'd read or no I, you know what i've no i want to have her back on, i want to have her back on talk some more <laughs> this was great. Oh, um, thank this you. Is, uh, this is new stuff. I like to be able to, you know, have the back and forth about stuff that, you know, interest it interests me, and I'm sure interests some of our listeners at least. <laughs> how do you find this? Where, where do you? How do you research all of this stuff? Because I, I go, I look everywhere for as much news as I can find it, and I don't even come across a quarter of what you can find. Well, I guess I would say I'm just. A garden variety obsessive um you know i have i look in newspapers and old journals and uh, books of traveler's tales um and just start digging uh do you have I, this extensive library of like old homes and stuff like that i do have a very large library um which probably too large, but it's very I could just helpful. see you gazing at it right now as, as I'm saying yes. that. I could just see you looking around your room. <laughs> I am, I am. The whole room is lined with, with ghost books and, and paranormal books. But um, I like to say I was the librarian for the revolution because I really love research. And I, it, there's just nothing so good as, as finding something nobody's seen in, in a long time and bringing it to the light of day. I call myself a newspaper resurrectionist because so many of these stories haven't been read for a very long time. But, um, you know, I just, uh, I, sometimes people will say, oh my God, you know, I've lived in this area all my life and I've never heard that story. And I think that's because nobody went looking for it. So How many books do you have out of, right now? You've got seven Haunted Ohio books, is that correct? Um, let's see. Uh, seven Haunted Ohio, then there's The Fits in the Window, The Headless Horror, which has Pearl Bryant's story, um, The Ghost War Black, which is a national Fordian book, and um, The Victorian Book of the Dead, which is a book on the oddities of Victorian mourning. I love that book. That book is huge. That is... It, 
It is a large book. I I (laughs) love that book. (laughs) I'm working on a sequel to that. So that's what I was going to say. What are you working on now? Because it's been a little while since you've released a book that I know of. It's been a couple of years, hasn't it? Right, right. Uh, I had to get the daughter married off, and um, so that was kind of taking up some of my my precious publishing time, and. so, yeah, I'm working on that and working on a book called When the Band She Howls, which is more Portiana, mostly from around the world. Some things that uh, are lesser known, I hope. And uh, as I say, a sequel to the Victorian Book of the Dead, because there's just so much in the way of strange Victoriana and mourning rituals. Um, and I like to debunk some of the ones that... Uh, are making the rounds like uh, tear bottles and standing corpses for their photographs sort of thing. What up? Okay. You, by, by debunking, you mean that you've debunked a lot of the stories of standing corpses? Cause we've covered that on this show. Yeah. Where... It's, have you had one that actually had proof of that? Well, we've had, what was, we covered one down in Mexico where there was a guy that had a funeral of him. I think he was, he was on his motorcycle, I believe it was. Oh, oh yes, of course, and yes. The, the ones that we've covered are all from Mexico primarily, and I think there may have been one or two from Japan. Okay. But, um, there I understand was, uh, what you're talking about now, yes. No, I'm thinking of the Victorian. There, there's a, a story, a legend, that uh, corpses were posed with posing stands. You, if you see the base of a posing and behind an individual, that means they're dead, and they're standing for their post-mortem photo. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, uh, now, posing somebody on their motorcycle or posing somebody um, at the, uh, I think somebody had their, they were posed at the gambling table. Yeah, with cigarettes a, in their mouth or something like right, that. Right, and there was a boxer in the corner yeah. of his ring. That's different, because now we do have mechanisms that we, we can pose people and it's a different kind of embalming also than uh, the Victorians would have had. But there's just too many stories that, and I went through the whole uh, litany of photographers talking about their trade, and nobody's talking about standing corpses up because it's very, very difficult unless you, you know, got some special splints or something. Uh, and it just, it just wasn't done. Uh, yeah, so I get I, an image of Weekend at Bernie's in my head as you're describing this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you either get the extreme rigor or you get something that's really, really limp and it just won't stand up. And the posing stands were, were meant to hold people's heads mm-hmm. so they wouldn't move for the for the camera and they're not strong enough to hold a corpse. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the I thing. Think, I think a lot of that got mixed up with uh, – there was a really um, famous – picture of a fireman who was oh, posed. Right, and that isn't actually, that's not real post-mortem. Yeah. So that, everybody, that got yeah. that got blown way out of proportion and people, you know, like anything else, they run with it. Mm-hmm. And and people get so angry when you say that this stuff isn't true. I'm, I'm really kind of surprised why they hold on to the belief. It's, it's a really cherished belief in Victorian mythology, uh, at least I think modern. it's more effective. They don't like thinking that they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> could be. That could be. Well, how soon can we expect new books out from you? Oh, gosh. We'll see. Um, uh, I hate to even give a timetable. Um, okay. 
partly because I I lost my time my typesetter my first typesetter passed away, and um, oh no. So I'm I'm trying to find another one that was as as good as she was. So that's that's kind of part of the problem. Um, but I should probably just submit my work to some regular publisher and let them do the typesetting. Because normally well, I do it all myself. Maybe. If you want to promote your site, promote any books you've got out there now, or tell people where they can find you, I, I highly recommend, and I said it before we did the interview and we were recording the pre for the show, I really, really recommend that if you're into this kind of stuff, go check out Chris's blog. It's She's got these short little quibbits on there. You can read them real quickly. Or if you're like me, go there and hang out for an hour at a time. I do highly recommend you go check this woman out. Where, where can people find you? Uh, hauntedohiobooks.com is one of my sites. I'm started a the Victorian Book of the Dead WordPress blog where I'm moving all of my morning things oh into dear. that I site. I gotta find that now. Cool. <laughs> well it'll and it'll have some new content too, but I'm I'm trying to consolidate all of that. And um, you can find my book, of course, online retailers and uh, ask your local bookstore to order your local library. <laughs> And you can buy them off of your website as well. There's a link to people to you buy can. your books. That yeah. is true. Yes. Buy the Victorian Book of the Dead. It's not horribly expensive. It's huge, and it's just full of stuff. It's it's a great. It's I hate to say it this way, but it's a great bathroom reader, because it's got all these little. Well, it's 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 got all kinds of little short snippet things in there. So it's not like, you know, it's it's something you can go in there and read. Okay, I'm done. You know, do what you got to do and get done, or you can just sit around and read it. But it's kind of like I use it as an encyclopedia. I, I very frequently go dig through this book when somebody will say something. I'm like, hold on a minute, and I'll dig through it, and, I'll, and I think there's something in here about it. And uh, it's very prominently on – it's it's a very prominent spot on my bookshelf where I can reach up and get it easily, whereas all, a lot of my other books are just kind of crammed all over the place. There's a few <laughs> books that I've got that are just – like there's my fairy folklore books, and then there's the Victorian Book of the Dead sitting there. Oh, that's <laughs> that's wonderful. my nightstand. And it's always dog. It's all dog. It looks like a, you know how when like you, you see somebody with a really good cookbook they use all the time, it's just messed up. That's kind of what my copy of the Victorian Book of the Dead's like. It's all dog-eared and, you know, there's like pizza stains on the corner from my fingers and stuff like that. That's great. I, I have no shame well, in saying that. So. That's wonderful. Well, I, I, I intended it to be, you know, sort of your one stop all your for all your Victorian morning needs. Thanks for coming on here. It's been it's been great to talk to you again, and I know we're going to bug you again probably down the road. I would say within another year or so, you'll be hearing from uh, us again. That'll be great. Sooner the better. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. Hi, I'm Desmond. And I'm Shalom. And, and we're, we're the Not Historians. Just two guys with big mouths little historical knowledge who take on pop history and everyday history things. It's so close to learning that you just might. Like the fact that Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. Well, he composed it. 
However, it was physically written by Thomas Matlick, clerk to the secretary of the Second Continental Congress. Boom, did your mind just explode? Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and other podcast catchers. You can find us online at Not Historians on Twitter and on Facebook. Now enjoy the rest of your show. Your roadmap to the strange and unusual begins with the Travel Oddities Podcast, the only paranormal travel show in the universe with Harley. They say it looks like a horse. This thing's a nat Unless somebody got a really early release of Star Wars, then I, I'm calling bullshit. Amy. I will get rid of my guns. Stop. You're like microphone Hitler or something. And Brent. Would you look better shitting in public as a naked man or as a werewolf? Find them on iTunes, Stitcher, or at TravelOddities.com. Your adventure waits. So anyways, uh, that was Chris. I, I love talking to that woman. It's She's so... Mm-hmm. Hopefully this I got this adjusted. I, I can By the time you guys have heard this, I've actually edited it up a little bit because we were having... You guys, I don't know, were you were you hearing her okay, or was it just on my end where it was cutting out and being weird? Every once in a while, she'd break up, but it wasn't anything like yours. Yeah, my end was, all. It was breaking up kind of weird, which was kind of irritating me because I was like, she's got so much information and I wanted to hear all of it. So hopefully I've gone in and managed to fix a lot of the clipping in the Skype call. Because right now you're hearing me keep clipping from what I understand. Mm-hmm. My audio sucks here. But anyways... Um, I do have to, uh, give a couple of shout outs here. I have to give a shout out to Jennifer who, um, I, I was having a really crappy day at work today. It was just one of those days where it was just horrid. And I get a message on Facebook from one of our listeners, Jennifer, I won't say her last name. And she's like, Hey, I really, I've been listening to you guys for a while and I really like it when you're on, where did the road go? Um, blah, 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 you know, you know, keep up the good work along those lines. And every time I go on other shows, there's only a couple of shows I go on now. I'll go on where do the road go. Maybe I'll go on Jake and Tom every once in a while. Cause they're buddies of mine and ozone nightmare. Cause I know Joe. Uh, but most of the time I go on shows, I'm really, really self-conscious, which is no secret to anybody who listens to the show on a regular basis. And she was the first person that ever sent me a message saying, Hey, I really like it when you're on this show, you know, when you and red pill are on there, it's a lot of fun. And I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks so much. It made me feel really good, and it just made my day a lot better. So, you know, thanks, Jennifer. I told her I would give her a shout-out on the show this week. So there's your shout-out. I also want to say hi to Megan, who's probably listening to us at work again. Having said all that, Harley has been – we've been emailing back and forth with Harley over at Travel Oddities for a while now about trying – they've been trying to get us on their show. I was texting earlier this week. Yeah, and – they, you know, uh, Amy actually sent a message and then uh, Harley sent one. The last one he sent was, all right, jerk faces, pick anything. We can talk about a restaurant or something else to do. Uh, and we worked the rest of the show without you. Let's get this done. Thanks, Harley. We can do this. The only problem no. is, is figuring out time that we can do. And don't say no, because I know you're not. I know you don't mean that. <laughs> um, I don't want to talk to them. Oklahoma sucks. Oh, my God. Do you have anything, if we go on travel oddities, do you have anything strange in Connecticut you could talk about? Because I know I've got a couple of things in Michigan I can bring up. I've got Hell, Michigan, and I've got the Paulding Lights that I can bring up. Whereas one place you go to eat and one place, yeah, so you've got stuff you can bring up to, like, places to go visit and strange things on there that you could talk about then, right? Sure. Okay. Why not? Um, Because I was like, well, what are we going to talk about, you know? And I I was thinking... Well, Detroit's got some weird stuff, but nothing Detroit like... Detroit is a weird stuff. 
well, we've got like where, you know, Houdini did his last show and stuff like that. And we do have a couple of haunted places here, but they're not real accessible to the public. And then I thought about, I'm like, well, Michigan's got some pretty weird stuff and there's stuff I could talk about on there. So I don't know what night you guys record on Harley. And if it's a Saturday night, we can pull that off. We'll just run a best of here and go on your show and do that show over there. And if people want to hear us, they can listen to travel oddities that week and listen to a best of here. So I'm fine with it. It's just a matter of establishing a date. And if we can't do it this month, uh, in April, we can, I'm sure we can set something up in May with advance notice because we only record on Saturday nights generally, sometimes Sundays. And I don't know when Travel Oddities records. We were red so, on Wednesdays. What's that? Nothing. Forget it. Red <laughs> on Wednesdays? What? I don't Never understand. Mind. No, I don't understand. I you don't, don't have to. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> we wear red on Wednesdays. Okay, I still don't get it, but I get it. I, I'll, I'll, I'll laugh if I'm instructed to. I'm sure everybody else is scratching wow. their heads right now. So um, some people get it. <laughs> um, I am doing an appearance on Ozone Nightmare sometime this week, sometime this month, well, I should say. Yeah. Well, you know what? Don't give me that shit because you would go on. People would invite you on shows if you made yourself no. readily available. No, 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 no. no. Because Soraya, Listen. Soraya likes no, having you hey, on Word of the Road. Hold game. on a second. Hold on a second. Let's get this straight. Let's not get this shit twisted. I've been doing this just as long as you. And apparently, I'm unfucking approachable. You are bullshit. <laughs> I know Soraya's probably listening right now. And he, you. Soraya's awesome. No qualms going on his show. I'm sure he would have you on his show. I'm sure he would. I, I actually, he he enjoys having you on his show, and he would have you on his show again. I was on there last week for doing a weird news episode. That was the pre-worst UFO conference ever, and then we did the post-worst UFO conference ever. And now Chuck is talking about flying up here. Chuck from uh, from Wheel Nerds is talking about flying up here so we can go do another okay. UFO contactee show in September. Do we know any other Chuck? No, we do not know any other Chuck, I don't think. Okay. <laughs> Chuck is the third wheel of the show. <laughs> But he's talking Chucky about coming up in here in September. And if he does, we're going to go to a UFO conference up in mid-Michigan, which is about three hours from where I live. And the plan is he'll fly in at night, we'll get up in the morning, drive up to this conference, spend the day there, drive back, and then he flies back home the next day. Which is kind of like how we did wow. the whole Paratopia thing when we went out to Texas for Paratopia. So it's kind of up in the air. And then the following month, I go out to Vegas to do their stuff, their motorcycle stuff out there. So that that is the rough plan right now. And then at some point or other, me and the wife are going to try to come out to Connecticut to see you at some point during the summer. But that is still very much in the works as well. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be touch and go. That's My the thing. My mother-in-law back in the hospital. Yeah, I heard. I heard about that. I'm sorry to hear about that, actually. Um, so it's we're going to play that one by ear or what have you. And it's like next week, it's like pretty much the shows are kind of touch and go right now as it is because you're still getting done with your dance season and all of that. So at any time, it's kind of like, let's throw episodes up where we can put them up until things mellow out a little bit. But I did throw an episode up into the Patreon this week that me and Lisa recorded. It had nothing to do. It was all a show entirely about people losing their penises or penis related material. It was an odd show. The, there was a couple of stories of angry wives cutting off their husband's penises. There was a story in there at a guy that on his on the night of his wedding celebration, he was shot in the penis. 
Uh, there was a story How many about. How time a, can we say penis in this episode? There was a, uh, a story in there about a man who had to have his manlyhood replaced, and he was black, and he had it replaced with a white one, so he had to have a special procedure to have the skin darkened. Uh, we also had the one about the whitening fad that was going on in Thailand. It was an odd episode. Plus, Lisa isn't on the show very often, so she wasn't used to how our rhythm is. So it was all it was weird, you know. But we have a rhythm. well, how we do, you know, how we do <laughs> ramble casts for the most part, which is funny. Here's the thing: I need to ask people out here. Okay, if you're still listening to the show, this is something that I've seen happen over the years, and I'm trying to get a definitive answer out of everybody. You've been this for years. Yeah, and your phone call just cut out a little bit. But when we do Ramblecast, the download numbers aren't as high, but we get a lot more feedback from people really enjoying the Ramblecast. When we do interviews, the download numbers go up, thus implying that people like the interviews, but we don't hear as much back about the interviews. Um, I don't. Is is it the what what is what is the general preference for what people want us to do? Because we can cut back on interviews and do more ramble casts or vice versa. We can do either or, or do people just want to keep us with the current mixture that we're at right now? I don't know. We're just, you'd think after seven years, we would have this figured out. We don't know shit. (laughs) (laughs) Got nothing. So anyways, um, yeah, I think we're going to call it good. I got editing to do on this and crap and we've got Easter preparation to do for tomorrow. I've got to go cook a bunch of stuff tonight. So it's same. um, that's pretty much it. Do you got anything else you want to close the show out with or anything like that? Are we done? Are we good? You stick a fork in it? Go put yeah. the ham in the Let's oven? kick the pig. Kick the pig into the oven, which is what ham is. Are you having yeah. ham tomorrow? Uh, it's not here. That's not what I'm preparing. Are you doing it on the taco bar? No, 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 no. That was not Christmas, wasn't it? You did taco bar uh, for Thanksgiving. Christmas. Thanksgiving taco bar. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's bizarre. Oh, not from the Matthias family. <laughs> no, I know. Well, no. That's par That's for the course. Thing, though. I'm the Matthias. <laughs> I, was expecting you, <laughs> I was expecting you to say, no, nah, we're having corn dogs for Easter. <laughs> I hate corn dogs. Really? Oh. I hate Oh, I no, love I corn dogs. I love nah. corn dogs. Ah, oh my God! We don't we don't buy them anymore because I'll eat the whole damn box, uh, no problem. Ugh. I'll I'll be oh, the no. guy that just sits there with a plate of corn dogs and, and honey mustard, like with the crying shame, going, "Why am I doing this to myself?" Eating the corn dogs, that's me all the no. way. That's why we don't oh, get them in the house. Corn dogs, terrible. Corn dogs and Jelly Belly jelly beans or Jelly Belly oriented jelly beans are my two weaknesses. Like I love jelly bellies. Oh my corn god! Corn dogs, corn dogs, will fuck themselves. No, lobster is another one. I haven't had lobster since I was out no, by you, though. Kidding. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's the last time I had lobster when I was out by wow. you. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. I I am kind of like when you see the snake unhinge its jaw to swallow the egg. That'll be well. You've seen me eat lobster. It's just I a have, massive no lobster shells from- flying everywhere. And, and me getting grease on my brand new shirt, yeah, making a big butter. joke of it. You just got it out of your mouth that you weren't going to ruin that shirt. Or no, your wife said that. Don't ruin the shirt. And it's well, a brand new shirt. And I said, I'm man. so fat that I have a gravitational field around my body. And you said something like you have your own zone of gravity or something. Yeah, you have and, your things orbit around you. Yeah. And you're like, do you want to put a bib on? I'm like, no, that's going to look silly. And within minutes, I had butter on my brand new shirt. Yep. And I was like, ah. I was so pissed. Uh, 
And I believe that's the point when your wife made you put a bib on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when the famous picture of you with the bib. Yeah. That's when the famous picture was taken of me wearing a lobster bib. And that was the same picture where I was reaching over and hugging the giant lobster at that restaurant, which was very good. All right, nobody wants to hear about this. Let's call it. A, let's yeah. call it good, and uh, we'll see. We 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 probably will see everybody next week. Harley, Brent, Amy. Uh, yeah, we'll work it out. We'll we'll definitely come on travel oddities. We just need to work out a date. You guys, and I know I know you listen to the show, Harley. Work out a date. Shoot us some dates. Let us know when you record, and we'll get it done. And we'll do this big crossover, which we need to do more crossovers with more other shows within this family. So, uh, yeah, we're down. Just tell us when. And that's it. This is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit. Have a happy Estar. This is Lobo from Connecticut. Happy Easter's. Now lick my eggs. I don't It's know. April Fool's tomorrow, too. Indeed. Are you going to tell the kids that you hit Easter eggs and not, not hide them and just say April Fool's? Um, we have other things that are going in the eggs. What? Wait, no, no. What are you putting in the eggs? What are you? I, I, uh, I are you talking grapes? quaaludes? Or, oh, you're putting, that's what you're putting in the Wait. eggs. That's the April Fool's joke. I got, Put those little carrots I in. Carrots and I have celery. Oh, oh, that's going to be so mean. We also have candy, but we have that too. <laughs> that's so mean. Yep. You should hire hide some eggs in the basement. And then hide the real eggs up in the upstairs. Be like, okay, go downstairs and find all your eggs. And then, so now we're just kidding. Here's the real eggs. Go find the real eggs. Oh, yeah. no. This is this is for the family egg hunt tomorrow. Okay. This is when everybody comes over and it's outside. That's when we're going to fuck with them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. That's it. We're done. Peace out. Bye-bye. No
Just a second before we go any further. Yep. Hey, John, are you still downstairs? Can you bring me a beer? I want a beer. (laughs) (laughs) Get out the the screen here so I can look at the blog posts. How? Hang on. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Put the elevator music on. No, we're good. That's why we start early. (laughs) Okay. How? Uh, there was an X there for us, one fleeting second, <laughs> and then it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> you know what you can do? What? Bottom of your screen, your Skype icon. Yep. Click it. It says close window. Quit Skype. We don't want to quit Skype. Just close, close the window. window. Okay. W- what did you just do? Uh oh, we lost her. No. No, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Here. Scare her. <laughs> Do the hat. I've had enough stress this evening. Oh boy.